Hey podcast, Claire here, back for, oh geez, what episode number is it? I meant to look that up before I started. I think this is either episode 72 or 73. I'll be sure to figure that out before I type up the the bio or the, the words, whatever you call those for this podcast, but welcome back to the Yours Truly podcast. I am Claire, the registered dietitian, food pun, and peanut butter and jelly enthusiast behind this podcast. And I'm really excited to bring you today's episode with a fellow non-diet registered dietitian who I have known of for a long while now. We have followed each other's content for a long while and she has been doing so much incredible work in this space that I could not wait to invite her on to the podcast to share a little bit about her story and also talk about some hot intuitive eating topics that I know you will find helpful for really any time of the year, but I think especially coming up closer and closer to the peak of the holiday season when we are going to be surrounded by so many wonderful foods and opportunities to eat and enjoy. I really hope that you will find today's episode with Christina Johnson to be helpful. But before I introduce Christina fully, we have two matters of business that we are going to hop right into here on the podcast. The first being the, the first feature that we always do week after week, which if you've been here before, you know what the Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week is. If you are new around here, I will let you know that this is a segment of the podcast that I use to brag on any of my clients, on anyone really in my private Facebook community who is rocking the socks off of their intuitive eating journey. They are learning. They're putting one foot in front of the other every single day, and they're willing to share a little bit of their journey with the community because when we share, when we comment on each other's stuff, when we read and hold space for each other in this community, I think it creates a really positive place to feel supported and to grow and and to strengthen everyone's own individual health journey. So the post that I want to feature today from the community is from... I want to say one of my newest clients, but I believe she is my current newest client who jumped into this one-on-one coaching process with me. And she shared a reflection here after we had our first call a little bit earlier last week. So she writes, I had my first call with Claire today. It went exceptionally well and I learned things about myself that I knew were there, but I hadn't quite clued into yet. I realized that on days that I had structure, it's much easier for me to listen to my body. I always make extra time for myself to create a great breakfast and also pack myself a lunch for work days. But the days I don't work, however, that's when it's more difficult. I made a goal for myself to continue to structure my day by nourishing my body in the mornings. This will set me up for a more productive day and help to put me in a good mood. Taking that extra time for myself is a form of self-love. Prepping and cooking my own food makes me feel good in a way that doesn't come from anything else. Although I love to grab food on the go, I want to do so if I really feel like it and not because I had to. It's so much more satisfying consuming a meal that you truly feel like having. 
So I couldn't agree more with that last statement. We get so much satisfaction out of filling our plates, cups, bowls, mugs, whatever you eat out of with foods that feel good to us in that moment and with foods that we enjoy. And I like that she draws on here that sometimes that food might be out to eat food. It might be takeout food, it might be convenience food if that's what works and you need in the moment. But she was able to identify that on days where she slows down a little bit and maybe takes some time to prepare something really satisfying and good for herself on a daily basis, it kind of starts the whole day off to a different tone and one that she feels better about, she feels more nourished and more energized. So that is where we are starting her journey. And you might be listening to that saying, Claire, is that what some of the goals look like in an intuitive eating journey? And my answer is yes. It doesn't have to be anything groundbreaking or earth shattering. We typically set my clients and I between one and two goals after every call because we know what happens when we kind of get the anxiety of overwhelm, right? Like if we set too many goals, then we end up not making progress towards any of them because we have too many things, pun intended, on our plates. But when we can really break down you know, what are the components of a really positive day for me? And what's one little step that I can make towards that every single day? Is it nourishing my body in the morning when I typically let that fall on the back burner? Maybe, you know, for some of my clients that I've worked with, maybe they need to rest a little bit more and be more intentional about sitting down and doing nothing. For some of my clients, our first goal looks like how many fluids are we drinking throughout the day? Are we hydrated? Are we just getting enough to eat? So I think the thing that I want to draw on here in addition to just celebrating my Goal Slayer's progress so far in these first couple of weeks of her journey is that intuitive eating doesn't have to be these big scary goals. Of course, you make big progress over time. When we look at the things that we are making progress towards every week, they might be something as simple as drinking more water or giving yourself more rest, like I said a few moments ago, or having snacks on hand so you're not going too long of periods of time without eating. Or maybe it's something like tracking less on my fitness pal or putting some more distance between you and the bathroom scale if you find that that really hacks away at your your attitude throughout the week or how you're able to nourish your body. So it really differs and everybody's first handful of goals or wishes for themselves is going to look different. But when we are on a non-diet journey, we're making ones that are based on nourishment, on how we feel, on how we rest our bodies, on you know moving with intention, all of these things that we can't quite nail down to a number or a specific time. But over time, as we continue to compound progress, we see and we feel these huge impacts and the shifts that the intuitive eating journey can bring from focusing on these small goals every single week. So speaking of goals, in an intuitive eating journey, I get a lot of questions kind of along the same vein here of Claire, like when I'm not dieting anymore or when I'm not using my fitness pal or I'm not following a workout plan, then how do I set targets for myself? How do I know that I'm moving forward or I'm in a stronger place than I used to be? And I think just the whole you know goal setting or wish setting process, whatever you want to call it in intuitive eating, it is kind of a learning 
learning curve as far as how do we quantify success, how do we measure our own progress when we're not using those air quote typical measures of progress, which we really don't need, right? We don't need the scale. We don't need my fitness pal to live a nourished and a happy and a healthy life. But when you are transitioning away from those things and it's new and it's different, there can be a lot of questions about how to set your sights on something different or how to motivate yourself in a different direction. So if you are nodding your head along with this and you're thinking, you know what? In 2020, I want to set non-diet goals for myself. I want to strengthen my relationship with food and heal my relationship with my own body, but I know I can't do that in the presence of a diet or a six-week challenge or a program, you know, whatever things are getting thrown at us this time of year. Then I want to formally invite you to a free webinar that I'm going to be doing on Thursday, January 2nd. So we are jumping right into the new year at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be about 45 minutes and I have titled this a non-diet new year. So we are going to go over how to take, you know, diet culture's version of success and progress out of your goals and how to set some targets for yourself this year that align with your definition of health and they make you feel good and they don't stress you out they don't leave you feeling down on yourself or tearing yourself apart for not doing x y and z but they are targets and goals that really help you to feel like the best most nourished version of yourself so we're not only going to go over how to set non-diet goals for yourself that are in alignment with your own version of health and what you would like from your health in your life but i'm also going to send you away from this webinar with a handout. It's like an additional freebie goodie that I'm giving you, but it is going to be a non-diet goal planner that I am currently in the process of coming up with. It's simply going to be an additional takeaway from this webinar. I almost said podcast, but I'm talking about the webinar so that when the webinar ends and you have all the tools and ideas in your mind, you can actually take them and apply them to your own life and you can remind yourself of them on a frequent basis. So if you are interested in signing up for our webinar, please visit my Instagram bio. That's the easiest place you can find it at Claire Tuning. Click on the link to register for the webinar and I would love to have you. If you can't make it live, signing up will ensure that you get a replay link that will be good for 72 hours. Uh, That'll be sent to your inbox if you sign up. So I hope to see you there so we can all dive into 2020 feeling like the best non-dieting versions of ourselves. So the last thing here, two final little uh, bookkeeping notes. If you are interested in joining our free private Facebook community, the one that I featured that post a few moments ago, you can do that. I would love to have you. The rest of the community would love to have you and support you. If you are interested, you can again visit my Instagram bio, find the link to the application there. You can also simply go to Facebook and type in the yours Chuli Goal Slayers, hit request to join, and then I will be sending you a private message there on Facebook with a link to the application. The group is free and is open for everyone. I just like to keep that application in place so I can get to know you and you can get to know a couple of ground rules that we hold in our community so it stays the best place ever. 
in my opinion at least, on the internet. So the last little reminder that I want to give you here is now until the end of this year, which I believe we only have... Is it two more podcasts left or is it only one? One or two more episodes left until 2020, but we are still running our podcast giveaway. So if you would like to be entered to win your chance at a fresh copy of The Intuitive Eating Book by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, a $25 Amazon gift card to order whatever it is that your heart desires, and also your pick at some fresh off the press Yours Truly merchandise that I'm going to have in the beginning of 2020. All you have to do to be entered is head over to this podcast, whatever platform you are listening to it on, leave a rating and a review. So yes, you actually have to type something so I know who is leaving a rating and a review, but whatever you whatever name that you indicate there on the review, I will be compiling all of those onto a uh, an Excel file and doing a random number generator to pick the lucky winner to receive our fun little gift that I just told you about. So if you love the podcast, if you come back week after week and you get a lot of value out of it, please take a few moments to leave some, some words, some thoughts, whatever you have to offer, whatever your heartstrings are telling you to do. And then I would love to enter you to be our lucky winner. And I will announce that on the first episode of 2020. But da without further ado, as I said at the very beginning of this intro, I am so excited to introduce Christina Johnson. She is a fellow non-diet registered dietitian who practices from a weight-inclusive standpoint. She has so, 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 how many times can I say the word so, much helpful content on her Instagram feed about weight stigma and body image and how to recover from disordered patterns of eating or an eating disorder. So if you are someone who is looking for another dietitian to help populate your feed with positive messages around food, and body and self and all things considered, I would highly recommend that you seek out Christina. She goes by the name of Encouraging Dietitian, which you will hear me kind of have a light bulb moment during our conversation as to why she calls herself that. Because even in our conversation with some of the questions I was asking her, her answers were so genuine and very encouraging. And I hope, again, like I said a few moments ago, that you will find them to be really helpful around this time of year. We talk about cravings and why, as she says, we shouldn't interrogate them. We talk about how incredible it is that our body is geared to keep us alive at all costs. She shares a little bit about why she wanted to become a dietitian and what her practice is like now. And she also mentions here at the end that she has a podcast. So if you are looking again, for another podcast that is focused on intuitive eating and all things positive around food and body, be sure to check her out as well. Um, It goes under the name of Intuitive Eating for the Culture, and I will be seeing you there, also giving it a listen because Christina is just incredible. So Christina, if you are listening to this, thank you so much for volunteering some of your time to come on the podcast, and for all of you, my dear listeners, I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Christina. 
Christina, welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. I am so happy to have you today. It's a, a face and a name that I've known for a while now, but as we were just talking about, we've never actually spoken. So I'm really happy to have the opportunity to connect with you face-to-face or camera-to-camera, as they say, and hopefully bring a little bit of value to the listeners here on the podcast. But before I give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and talk about all of the wonderful things that you do, we have to play our little game called This or That. I feel like I need um, like a, a game show lights or like music right now to help me introduce this, but I don't have that. So my first This or That for you is summer or winter? Which do you prefer? Winter. Winter. Like, are you like a sweater lover like me? Like that's your jam? I'm a scarf lover. Oh. Hence the, they can't see it, but I'm wearing a scarf today. Yeah. And I'm in Texas. So you can imagine how like sad I am that I can't wear scarves all the time. Yeah. I can imagine you definitely can't wear scarves all the time in Texas, nor can I here in Virginia. Um, but I was actually talking to someone the other day and I really feel like scarves can like take any outfit from casual to like kind of cutesy in like two seconds. Do you feel that way? Oh, yeah. oh, definitely. It can take it cutesy. It can turn, it can like, they're so practical. They become blankets on the airplane. You can hold your baby in. Like I just, I can't. Scarves are, scarves are life. You should be a brand ambassador for a scarf company. I'm going to sign you up right now. Um, Second, all your scarves. Oh my gosh, I have like a whole bag. Um, But second, this or that, since we are coming upon the holiday season and hot drinks are a hot topic right now, pun intended, do you prefer hot cocoa or apple cider? Hot cocoa. That was a very simple answer for you. I hate apple cider. It's like apple juice. I hate apple juice. Well, there you go. You are entitled to your opinion, right? Your food choices, which we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, I love this one. So breakfast for dinner or dinner for breakfast? Breakfast for all meals. Ooh. Okay. Now, since you answered so confidently, I have to know what's your like go-to breakfast item. Like I know you have some variety most likely, but if you had to have one breakfast for the rest of your life, what would that entail? I wouldn't be a true Texan if I didn't say breakfast tacos. <laughs> so that's your final answer? That's my final answer. I could do breakfast tacos all day, every day. All right. I love that. Tacos like scarves. I feel like tacos are the scarves of the food world, right? Mm, yes. Like, they just hold it together. They hold it yes. together. And they're so versatile, right? Like you can throw anything in a taco and it's pretty much going to fly. Like sweet tacos, savory tacos, waffle tacos. Mm, waffle tacos. <laughs> I'm like drooling on my keyboard right now. Okay. Think about dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Think about dinner, right? It's almost that time. Um, Final this or that question for you. Do you prefer train travel or airplane travel if you have to go a long distance? Airplane. Why is that? I like to look at the clouds. Ooh, I'm with you there. And also like train travel is fun, but I find it kind of frustrating because like you're going faster than you are in a car, but it still takes a super long time to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. I traveled a lot on the train as a kid and I just remember being like why can't we get there and so now if I travel like I can travel by airplane uh, by choice and it's like a really quick all right you're there in two hours but then you get to spend time in the clouds 
Yeah. And it's so cool. The, the last time I flew, I flew out super early in the morning and I got to watch the sunrise over the clouds. It was like the coolest thing ever. Um, but thank you. Da, 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 that like concludes our this or that game show part of our series here. Thank you for participating. Now anyone who's listening knows a little bit more about your scarf preferences and also your taco tendencies, <laughs> which is a, a great thing to know about an individual, I think. But kind of moving forward from our segment there at the beginning. Could you tell our listeners if they are not familiar with you yet, or if they don't know anything about you or what you do, just kind of give us a little background on who you are and what you do as a dietitian now. So thanks for having me. I'm Christina. I'm a registered dietitian and I practice um, intuitive eating and health at every size. And most of my clients have some form of like disordered eating, eating disorder. But then I also like to have fun with people who are transitioning out of dieting back into intuitive eating. I love that. Short, sweet, and simple. So tell me, I'm always very interested when I meet a fellow dietitian who works in intuitive eating, health at every size. Is your work local there to your area? Do you see people in person or are you online or kind of what is your work with your clients look like for anyone who's listening and might be interested in getting to know you a little bit more? I am international love. I uh, am based in Dallas, Texas, but all of my work is virtual. So I have clients here in the Metroplex, but I also have clients um, around the world. It's a, a really cool thing that social media and the internet allows us to do, right? I was actually talking to someone earlier today just connecting on a call to, to add value to someone who I've known over DM for a while and she lives in the UK. And I was like, how cool is it that we are able to connect and have a conversation from literally <laughs> across the globe? And I think social media sometimes gets like, a negative reputation of, oh, it's so terrible. And it has, you know, so many negative messages, which it definitely does from time to time. But I think it's also really cool to look at the positive side of it allows us to connect with so many people and it allows people like you and I to know that each other exists and have conversations like this. So I'm also kind of curious in knowing what you do now. And I've heard you share a bit about you and your background and your story on other podcasts, but I think it's cool when I bring guests here on the show that the listeners can have a little bit of an understanding as to what brought you to this realm specifically of nutrition, because I think it's fair to say that intuitive eating, although it's becoming more popular for sure, it's definitely not the, the widespread message out there about food and body. So I'm interested, how did you fall into this realm of work? So I decided to become a dietitian, I think my junior year of high school, because I was like, okay, I need to apply to colleges next year. And I realized I didn't want to be a doctor because I wanted to start my career before 30. And if anyone's fact checking, I am successful. My career has started before 30. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, what do I do? I took one of those career aptitude tests and it was like, you'd be a great dietitian. And I was like, I love food. Let's do it. And at the time I was in the middle of similar like disordered eating, having like a lot of turmoil in my relationship with food. So I was like, obviously must get degree in nutrition. Right. Right. So I did it, went and got a degree and I was in my uh, graduate program when I just was like, I hate this. And not that I hated nutrition, but I was having a hard time thinking that I could become a dietitian and have to talk to people about losing weight. Like that just didn't sit well with me at that point. So I was like, okay, well, how do I, how do I remedy this? 
And I was in, I'd gotten into an internship and moved to Oklahoma. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the middle of no man's land. And I need to do something with my time because I have all this time. And I don't want to just twiddle my thumbs. So I said, I'll make a professional Instagram. And in the process of making the Instagram is how I found the intuitive eating and haze community. And that was where I was like, aha, my people, let's do this. Yeah. I love that. Again, it kind of, it's so funny how like different parts of this conversation help it to really come full circle. But again, you touched on the power of social media there that it's like you were in this schooling and this internship and you were learning how to be a dietitian, but everything you were learning just didn't really set that well, which I can very much resonate with that. And in my schooling and my internship, it's like you get to a point and you're like, well, I want to be a dietitian and help people understand more about food, but is this the only way that I can do it? Right. So I very much resonate with your story and I'm very thankful that social media existed during that time in our lives to kind of let us in on the fact that, well, here's one way to go, but there's also this entire other world of nutrition and and community of professionals that are helping people through a different lens and a different approach. And I know I speak for myself, maybe you as well. When I say, I'm sure happy that I ended up here and I'm happy you ended up here too. So we can connect. Um, But one, one more question that I have kind of spiraling off of that before um, I get to some actual content questions for you that I think our listeners will really enjoy. I'm always curious to know when I connect with a fellow intuitive eating aligned dietitian who has had that moment in their schooling where you realize this isn't helping me and I don't want to help people through this lens. Do you think that being in a traditional schooling approach to becoming a dietitian, do you think that helped your relationship with food or do you think that kind of made you take a couple of steps back and maybe engage in more behaviors that weren't helpful to you or your health? I think, I think yes. In undergrad, for sure. Learning like whole grains and fruits and vegetables and knowing like what you quote need to eat in a day was not helpful in terms of feeling like I needed to go in this direction of like clean eating because my behaviors before were not based around like the perceived morality or quality of the food and it shifted in that direction so that was really hard for me to like be in this sort of I guess learning space to think like I needed to do a specific thing and then it also didn't help that I didn't look like most of the people in my class so I felt this extra pressure to look a certain way and so to like exercise to try to get there and to like engage in these sort of behaviors that weren't helping so when I have the light, like had that light bulb moment, I was like, okay, like I don't have to live like this. And my body is not what makes me a good dietitian. Mm. I think that message is so prevalent, if not explicitly, but like implicitly, right? That, you know, to be an air quote, good dietitian, it's like, we all have to look the same. We all have to air quote, eat perfectly, or, you know, fall under this perfect definition of health. And I think what you said there really speaks to how harmful, not only like some of the traditional schooling approach, you know, talking about macros and calories and calories in versus calories out, but also um, just the 
the makeup of the community can sometimes be very harmful and that there isn't a ton of diversity, right? Like it's super easy to see that from like any nutrition classroom that you set foot into. Um, and I very much saw that in, in all of my schooling as well. Um, so thank you for sharing a, a little bit of your story. I think it's so interesting to just learn how people kind of fell into this version of nutrition because I don't know about you, but the, it wasn't even mentioned in any of my classes. I'm very sad to say I even, and you might resonate with this, but I even had one class where our like final project was counting our own calories for like a week's period of time. <laughs> I see the look on your face, which makes me think you also had to do that too. More than once. And I, and again, like this is in the midst of me having this disordered relationship with food. So I'm, not only did I have to like grade my own eating, I had to lie about what I was eating. So nobody asked me questions. So like, yeah. it's just, I don't like that project. Like it's that a, double whammy. Horrible, yeah. yeah. I am very much with you there. I, um, it was around the time that project came out where I like actually became aware of like, oh, uh, maybe I should be doing this to be like you were saying a good dietitian, right? Or the perfect eater. And, you know, even within that like week span of time, I always tell people like, I feel like my own relationship with food took a hit more than it had in like 10 years of living just from that one project. And again, I just think that speaks to how harmful sometimes those traditional approaches can be. But I know we could kind of like go down that rabbit hole for days and days and days, right? Mm -hmm. um, since we know the different lens and the different approach now, but I, I'm really curious to actually ask you about some of the content that you have been creating recently, because if anyone doesn't follow Christina yet, we will tell you how to do so at the end of the episode, but your content has been fire <laughs> recently. I don't know if it's like the cool green and the blue colors. It's very eye catching, but everything that you have been writing when I've been seeing it, I nod my head and I say, yes, we need to talk about this more. So I'm hoping to kind of use this, this platform as an opportunity for your thoughts on these topics to be put out there. And hopefully our listeners will get a good understanding of everything that you're talking about. So one of the posts that I actually told you I was going to ask you about, and you seemed really excited when I prefaced this, but um, you had a post recently it was within the past week or so of us recording this podcast where you were saying, please don't interrogate your cravings. And I love how you worded that. And I'd love to just kind of get your take on what inspired that and how you maybe see people nowadays interrogating their cravings and why that isn't helpful or is maybe counterproductive to healthy eating or healthy living in general. Mm -hmm. That actually came about, and I shared a little bit in the caption, was I was standing in my kitchen making a meal. I don't even remember what time of day it was. And I was like, for a split second, I was frustrated that I was craving kale again. And I like genuinely crave kale just because I love kale. And I was like, and I, I stopped myself like in my tracks and I was like, girl, why are you upset that you're craving kale? Like, it's fine. But then I thought back on all the other times that I had questioned and interrogated the things that I had craved, whether it was something sweet or savory or salty. And I see it come up often for other people where they're interrogating, like, why am I craving this? I should, I quote, shouldn't be craving this. It's not whatever, or the thought that like, they'll only interrogate certain types of cravings, but they're not going to interrogate when I want a fruit or a vegetable because those are quote good. Mm -hmm. They're only interrogating their bad cravings. 
Yeah. So I find it really interesting, kind of as you're sharing a little bit about that story, I find it interesting that you had that immediate reaction to interrogate like a vegetable craving, right? Um, and I, I, I honestly, like in my time being a dietitian, I don't know if I've had ever ever anyone tell me, oh my God, I craved a vegetable. What's wrong with me? <laughs> right? Uh, maybe sometimes because we do get surprised by those cravings, but I wonder, I wonder if you have any thoughts as to why we are so quick to like judge or say, well, I shouldn't be craving that. Or, you know, something's wrong with me if I'm craving this. Why do you think we have the tendency to quickly judge the, the cues and the, the signals that our body naturally sends us? I think it has a lot to do with not wanting to express our needs as people. And so if I express that I need something, right, my body's having this craving, I'm now, um, I would say I'm valuable, like I'm vincible. Instead of saying I'm invincible, now I'm vincible. And that was me admitting to a chink in my armor that I'm vincible and I have this need as a human being that can't be met within myself. And it's having to express that out loud that you're like, oh no, this is really uncomfortable because we're taught like not to crave anything, don't do that. Like, willpower fight your cravings don't do it and so it's this really like uncomfortable space of being like i'm a human and i need something yeah i i've never thought about it that way that when we have a craving or a signal it really does challenge us to recognize that we are a human who has needs and those needs fluctuate depending on the day the time of day time of the month like whatever it might be and i i think you're right in that sometimes that's a very difficult pill to swallow to raise our hands and say i need something <laughs> or maybe even like what i need or what i feel like i want right now i have been told is bad or i shouldn't have so i guess this kind of leads me to my next question which might be an obvious answer but i love i'd love your opinion do you think this behavior of like questioning our cravings or um, how did interrogating them, that's the word that you use, do you think that is something that we learn to do over time or do you think that is something that we're taught it is something that we should do or is more of like a, a learned behavior? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think it's partially a learned behavior in that if you like spend a little more than five minutes on Pinterest, you can find these images where they're like, if you're craving X thing, it means your body uh, needs this. Yep. And I used to like in a, in a different life used to like read those posts to be like, okay, if this is what my body wants, this is really what it needs. And then I try to circumvent the system of like, if I need this thing over here, I'm not going to get it from the thing my body's asking for, but I'm going to get it from a different source, a quote, healthy source, trying to like circumvent that system instead of just, going with what my body's asking for. But then I think it's also, um, and in my own practice, I do a lot of trauma-informed work. I think it also has a lot to do with trauma in that like, if you're growing up in this environment where expressing your need, even the most basic of needs is interrogated by someone else, well, what do you mean you need to do that? How dare, like, we're going to pick that behavior up if we're asking ourselves for something and interrogate, well, why do you need that? Yeah, I think, that right there is so interesting and something that I talk a lot about with my clients is when these things are coming up in our adult lives, um, our immediate reaction almost always, at least in my experience, is to wonder, like, what the heck is wrong with me, right? Or, you know, what do I need to cut? It's the gluten, right? Like, it's a dang gluten. I know it is. Or, you know, what do I need to take away from my life so that I can be fixed, air quotes there, or so that I don't have this craving anymore? But uh, very little do we kind of hit the pause 
pause button and zoom out or have the help of someone to help us zoom out and say, well, you know, there's probably a reason why this is coming up. And there's probably a reason why you are so questioning about your cravings or why you feel the need to interrogate your needs. And I think it can be really relief sometimes, at least in my work, maybe you can nod your head and say yes as well, but to help ourselves and other individuals understand that when we have these moments with food or maybe with a person or whatever it might be, um, it, it doesn't mean that something is wrong with this. It just means that it's a, a learned behavior or something that we've been taught over years and years, and we can kind of alleviate that sense of self-blame. Is that something that you see to be like really helpful in your work and in these moments with people? Mm -hmm. And I oftentimes remind them like that particular behavior, that like interrogative behavior was a, 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 I'm putting air quotes around skill, but it was a something that you learned in order to survive in an environment and right. we're in a new environment now. So let's learn a new skill. Yeah, I think that's a really positive way to put it because again, I think even, you know, if we're picking up on these behaviors um, and, and we learn that, okay, that's a learned skill, it's a learned behavior, even then there can be that tendency to blame ourselves. So it's like, why the heck did I even form that in the first place? But I love how you kind of framed it there and that every skill or behavior that we have formed has been for a reason <laughs> to get us to where we are now and to protect us through whatever we may have gone through. So I think that's incredible that you frame it as like, okay, that helped you in that environment, but that environment is, is not, is non-existent anymore. You're in a different one now. So let's learn a new behavior. I love that. Wow. You're like blowing my mind left and right right now. I'm learning as much from you as I hope our, our listeners are, but um, kind of along the same lines of talking about cravings, because one of the questions that I will get all of the time in conversations like this, it's like, well, what do I do if I have a craving, right? Um, and, and I feel like there's an obvious answer here. Like we rationally can know what to do, but the actual like action of doing the thing or honoring that craving can be a lot more tangled or can be a lot harder. So what would you say to maybe someone who's listening right now who is identifying, okay, I've been interrogating my cravings, <laughs> like I've been ignoring them or trying to circumvent them, as you were saying. What is maybe a piece of advice you would offer them to help them just gain a little bit more traction in this process and honor rather than interrogate? I typically have them, like I'll have someone start with just buying the thing. So whatever okay. that thing is, just like buy it and keep it in your house. And like, even just like that, like the, the fear and the nervousness around having the item in your house sometimes is enough to like rattle people's cage, if you will. Yeah. And like sitting with that for a while. And then I'm like, okay, so what if you had that thing every day for the next week? And I do this exact same exercise with people all the time. I'm like, just eat however much you want for a week. And usually by like a certain point in the week, they never make it to that seventh day. They always are like, I'm sick of this. I don't want it anymore. And I'm like, okay, but I thought you couldn't control it. Like, you sure? Are you good? Are you okay? I thought you said this was like really hard for you. And then we have this like really beautiful conversation of, well, you said I could have it. So I just had it. And yeah. so sometimes it's like having someone else give you that permission. And so like, if you're listening and you need that permission, here you are, my dear, you have all the permission in the world to go get that thing, keep it in your house, have it every day, every meal for the next seven days if you want. I love that. That's like, such a beautiful recommendation, like in comparison to all of the other stuff that we see on social media these days, right? Like how often have you heard anyone say, and like, hey, 
I'm guilty also of doing this in a past life as well. <laughs> like, because we were all like brought up in this culture that's like, you know, don't eat the air quote unhealthy thing if that's what you crave. Right. Um, but I know I used to say, and we hear this all the time. Well, if you're craving this thing over here, then have this instead, right? Or, you know, try drinking water or try chewing gum, like all of these things that it's like, okay, but that's not the thing that I wanted, right? Um, so I think there's this really prevalent message of, you know, if you do crave something or you fear that you might be air quote out of control around it, then don't bring it into your house, right? That is something that we hear all the time, but you and I know and I hope that anyone who is listening to any intuitive eating podcast knows that, you know, that might be a band-aid solution for like a couple of days or a week, but we can't really live in isolation from those foods. Like if your um, food that you feel like you can't control is chocolate, for example, right? You know, we're never going to live in a world where that isn't present. So I, I think what you were describing here, just having that permission, whether it's given to you by yourself or someone else, <laughs> like you just gave permission to everyone listening to just keep the food around, even though it's scary, even though it's kind of like, ah, right, what's going to happen? I, I think that can be really helpful and a really good takeaway for anyone listening to really do in the long term not just to be that band-aid solution. So um, there's one kind of more topic that I would like to dive into here. And you were actually kind of touching on it earlier. I believe you mentioned something about survival or sometimes we form habits or behaviors in order to keep us safe in certain environments. But speaking of survival, <laughs> we know that our vessel of a body like is designed for that. Um, and the body is going to do everything that it possibly can to stay alive and help us thrive and be healthy. And I think this almost can kind of come in with that craving conversation because think about other cues that we get from our bodies, like I need rest or I need food or I need water. Like some of these things that again, in the culture that we're living, we're kind of trained to interrogate sometimes or say, well, I don't need food right now, right? I can wait for 20 more minutes or another hour. Um, what is your kind of opinion on this? And in the post that you had talking about, you know, I feel grateful that my body's designed for survival. I would love to know kind of what informed that and what went into that. And if you could just share a little bit about how beautiful that survival mechanism really is. Yes. So I wrote that post after several conversations with different clients and that I feel like on a regular basis, I'm like, isn't it so cool that your body's designed to keep you alive? Like that's its, that's its sole purpose on this earth is to keep you alive, to keep you going, to get you from here to there and to experience all these things in life, right? Hugs and puppies and mugs of hot chocolate. And if we stop and we think about it like that, that my body's designed to keep me alive. I have my clients do this exercise where we write an apology letter to our body for all the things that we did to it. Even then, I'm like, just write whatever, like all the things. And I promise you stuff's going to come up that you forgot about, but just write it down. And then I'm like, okay, take a few minutes, you know, wipe the tears away if you need to, and then write a thank you letter for all the times that your body fought so hard to keep you alive and see what happens. And it's this beautiful moment where they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot, you know, X, Y, or Z thing happened. But then when I got to really say thank you, like I felt so much more like a sense of relief, but then this connection with like my body's here for me, not against me. And so I always try to like, like have that conversation with people of like, how do you get to a space where you don't have to love your body? Like, I don't expect you to do that, but how do you respect it in a way that like 
that you remember, okay, my body's designed to keep me alive. It's designed to tell me to go to bed. And, and we know from experience, if we don't, it will put you to bed. There's a certain point where you are tired and your body's going to go to sleep the same way. It's going to tell you, Hey, you need to go to the bathroom. And if you don't, it's going to go to the bathroom, right? If you need food, it's going to force you into overdrive to go find this food to seek out that thing. So it's saying, how do I, how do I live in harmony with that? How do I stop interrogating it? Right. We don't interrogate needing to go to the bathroom except, and this is the caveat here that, and I, I've heard this more often recently, people drinking less water to avoid going to the bathroom so much. And I'm like, well, why are you, why are you not okay with going to the bathroom? It means you're hydrated. That means your kidneys are functioning. Don't you want that? Yeah. So that's really kind of how that came about of like, I just wanted to be really grateful that my body is designed to do that and that I don't have to fight it and it's going to know how to take care of itself and it's going to tell me how to do it. Yeah. It's kind of like putting the trust back and like the divine wisdom of the human body. Uh, something I always tell my clients is when you are a baby, like you were born into this world, your body has been working for you from day one before you even had the ability to overthink something or before you even had the ability to know what it was doing or, you know, how food was even impacting you. It has been working for you since day one and it's going to continue working for you until day end whatever that might be. And something that I feel like fits really well here, again, a little soundbite that I use with my clients is what can you do today to work for your body and say, hey body, like I'm on the same team rather than to work against your body, right? Saying, well, I don't have to eat or I'm going to delay going to the bathroom. And I really love that you bring in this component of gratitude and that example that you used about going to the bathroom, like you connected that so quickly. You're like, it means you're hydrated. Your kidneys are working, like your body is working for you. And people who are listening couldn't see you, but you had like this big smile on your face, right? You got so excited. Um, so that makes me really happy to see that I have found someone else who is equally as excited about talking about body function and body appreciation and just saying, hey, it's okay if you've gone through a period of time where you have ignored your body or Maybe you've put it through a period of time where you weren't working for it, but that doesn't mean that you can't write that letter, write that letter to apologize and then say thank you and then and flip the page from there. I couldn't, like, as you were talking about that letter, I was like, oh my goodness, like, I want to do that. Or why have I never done that with any of my clients? But um, one more question that I would love to kind of ask you taking it a step farther, because I love having podcast interviews with guests like yourself being as tactical as possible because again like coming all the way full circle to us talking about social media how cool is it that we have this like free content platform where we can come and hear conversations and take away you know tidbits and action items and learn things that we may never have thought of before or we didn't have access to before throwback to you finding out about intuitive eating on podcasts right like all of these things but in um, air of trying to make this as tactical as possible, I'd be really curious to know if anyone is listening to this episode right now and they're kind of nodding their head being like, I need more of that body appreciation, gratitude, just focusing on what my body can do rather than how I need to work against it. What is maybe one initial step someone could take? I know you mentioned the letter, which is a beautiful example, but just something else that someone can implement kind Kind of on the daily to get themselves more in that headspace of appreciation and respect rather than distrust or interrogating anything that their body might be saying to them. 
I do this um, pretty often where I'll have someone do, um, it's like just grab a journal and, or like use your phone. It is 2019 as we're recording <laughs> this, almost 2020. Right. Yeah. Um, I have them write a list of three things they're grateful that their body allowed them to do. And so it's like, did you get to hug someone? Did you get to play with a dog? Did you get to walk through the park? Did you like whatever it was that they did in that day that they're grateful their body got to allow them to experience it? Yeah. And we just kind of go from there and we watch the list build. Mm-hmm. And when you have someone do that activity, is that like a one-time thing? Do you encourage people to do that every day or does it just, you know, whatever feels comfortable for them? Or I'm curious how you help people through that process. I encourage them to do it until they don't need it anymore. Like need the defined practice. Cause eventually you get so good at doing it that you don't need it. Like today I'm really grateful that my, I'm like capable and my body allowed me to bend down and pet a cat. Like that to me was just like this really sweet, like minute and a half of my day, but it was so personal to me. Like, Oh, I get to pet this cat. Like, this is so nice. And like feeling the fur, but just being so present in that moment of like getting to enjoy that is only possible because I went through that. Like I'm grateful I get to hug or like, I'm grateful I get to smell coffee in the morning. Mm. Like my nose allows me to smell coffee or like, I'm grateful that my ears allow me to hear music that I can rock out to that. My body allows me to feel the beating of the drum, like yeah. the base of it. Like, yeah, all of your examples, I'm blown away. They're so tactical. <laughs> it's like, I, I love everything. Like everything you're describing right now. I like, I can feel it. I can see it. I can hear it. Um, you're, you're very good at bringing that dose of reality into this, right? Like make it tactical, make it something that you enjoy, make it something that adds a lot of joy and value to your day. And I think something that this really reminds me of something that I say all the time. If any of my clients are listening, they're probably like nodding their heads being like, there she goes again. <laughs> She's doing the thing. Um, but I always like to tell people when it comes to really any habit behavior, but especially when it comes to just intuitive eating or relearning how to appreciate what your body can do and be respectful of that. I, I think in the beginning, it's very effortful right? Like you're mentioning. And I love how you say, you know, do it until you don't need it. But in the beginning, you do need it, right? Mm-hmm. You need to sit there and journal or think about these things or, or have those very conscious moments where you're processing, hey, I'm grateful for this, or hey, I'm, I'm so happy my body had the ability to do X, Y, and Z. But then kind of like how you say, eventually you'll realize that that kind of becomes your default way of functioning. And I think the important thing to point out, and maybe you would agree with this, I hope you would agree, but it's going to be different for everybody, right? It's like for some people, it might become a habit for them in a couple of weeks or a month, but for some people, it might take years, right? Depending on how long they have had a negative relationship with with X, Y, and Z. So I love all of those very tactical things. Seriously, like I'm sitting here all smiles, my cheeks hurt because you blew my mind with the the letter example. And also those, those three things of gratitude. I couldn't think of anything cooler to bring to the podcast and kind of use to round out our conversation. So before we hit the end button here on this episode of the podcast, if anyone is listening and they're like, this girl rocks my socks, she's awesome, she loves animals, I'm assuming because you've talked about cats and dogs like five times, <laughs> she loves animals like I do, and they just want to learn more about you, more about your work, how to get in contact with you, where is the best place to do that? So the best place at this current moment in time is going to be Instagram. It's encouraging dietitian. And then I have a podcast that's called intuitive eating for the culture. And I just have a fun time talking about random intuitive eating topics. 
And then you can also find me on my website, encouragingdietitian.com. I love it. I love how everything is across the board, encouraging dietitian, and now actually af- like getting the chance to speak with you. I know I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I've known of you and we've been like Insta friends, as they say, for a while now. But now after getting the chance to actually talk with you, I can understand why you picked the name Encouraging Dietitian, because if people leaving this podcast aren't encouraged (laughs) when they put the phone down, I don't know what else to tell them. But Christina, thank you so much for being here, for lending a little bit of your time out of your busy day. I know we were both talking. It's been kind of a long day for both, um, but I'm really happy to have had you on the podcast. And for anyone who is listening, please go and check her out at Encouraging Dietitian. And that is all we have for now. Signing off of the Yours Truly podcast, yours truly, Claire and Christina.